Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are. You know what time it is. This is the Cashflow Guys Podcast, and I am Tyler Chef, your host. And this week, guys, we're going to talk about supply chain, something I thought I'd probably never talk about on this podcast. Never, ever, ever, unless it was a way to make money off the supply chain or the lack thereof the supply chain. But this week, guys, we're going to talk about some issues that I'm seeing coming around the corner stuff that I'm seeing out there and I follow the you know financial news and whatnot and I talk to my vendors and the folks that out there help us with our properties and help keeping them sharp and what got me thinking about this is lately I've been seeing a lot of talk about the Suez Canal issue there's been lots of talk about supply chain issues and the issues are coming from all different angles and that's my opinion right I'm seeing Supply chain issues coming down. One of my YouTubers, guy I watch on YouTube, he's a van life kind of guy, travels around the country. His RV, not van life, but he's doing van life now because his motorhome, uh, his big motorhome that he normally runs around in is a, a Ford F53 chassis. It's a V10 Ford engine, and he needs a camshaft for his his engine. It's a 2012, and he basically burned a camshaft. Long story short, he can't find a replacement camshaft. It got so bad that he actually went down to Ford. He drove to Detroit, talked to Ford to get a camshaft. They said they had one. He drove five and a half hours down to Detroit to get a camshaft. Lo and behold, they didn't have it. And they went so far, and this is Ford Motor Company. This is not a parts house. This is none of that. He already went to all the parts houses. He went to Rock Auto and, and anything you could come up with, any company you could come up with sells parts. This dude has done his homework. And he's got a half million subscribers on YouTube that are also helping him trying to find a camshaft for his, his RV, and he can't find it. So he literally had to park his RV because he can't drive it with a bad camshaft. And he had to go out and buy a van and continue his travels, right, so he could go on and do his thing. Now, for him, the transportation, the RV, is his lifestyle. So without the transportation, because his lifestyle is being a YouTuber. He drives around the country and films himself on YouTube going to all these places and talking to people and whatnot. It's a travel lifestyle channel. Without the ability to travel, no one's going to watch his videos. No one's listening anymore. And he goes out of business, which means he becomes another financial statistic of 2021. So he decided that it made sense for him. And since he can't find a camshaft and all over the country, all over the world, and Ford told him it could be six months to a year before he gets a camshaft on the, on the low side of things, that he actually went out and bought a used Ford van with, that doesn't have a V10 engine in it, and he's traveling in that. So that got me thinking. And I've been seeing a lot of the headlines and, and stuff pop up on my YouTube feed about what's going on across the different markets as far as supply chain. Now, the, the, you guys are paying attention. You think about it a couple months ago, everybody was talking about the price of lumber. There was all kinds of chatter on social media about the price of lumber and lumber. You know, there's memes out there going, I'll trade you you know, four sheets of plywood for a single family house and stuff like that. And I know this because I was up at the cabin last spring when in the middle of this lumber crisis. And of course, you know, Tyler, I got to go do a project. I go to the store out in the lumber mill to go get lumber for this uh, little side building that we're adding onto our cabin, which is where our pump house is and all that. And my God, I bought a couple sheets of plywood and a couple four by fours. And I walked out of there like three, 400 bucks in lumber. I was like, good gravy. You know, I, I got 25 acres of trees. Maybe I should have bought a, a saw and cut my own lumber or something because God knows I got plenty of trees up there. But this whole thing is starting to actually get some traction in my head, right? Starting to gain a little bit of living there rent-free, a little bit of real estate, as they say. 
So I started looking into this. And you guys remember a while back, the Suez Canal blockage, that one big container ship got turned sideways and got stuck in the Suez Canal. And initially I saw that. I was like, well, that doesn't really impact me at all because my stuff doesn't come from the Suez Canal. And I guess what? I was wrong. It affects everybody. One ship, one ship stopping. We are that tight in capacity that one ship can impact the entire world economy. I, you, if you would have told me that two years ago, I would have told you you're crazy. That's not possible. But it absolutely is possible, and it's happening right now. And, guys, that's just one of the many elements that's going on. Now, the purpose of this episode is not to scare you. I don't, you don't need to run out and be a prepper and buy 1,000 pounds of toilet paper and all this other stuff. I'm not suggesting you do that by any means. But I am suggesting that you take a little bit of a step back, an assessment, Look at the things that you require to run your business. Those of you that are flipping houses, you're going to need materials. You're going to need lumber, cabinets, windows, stuff like that. I can tell you right now in South Florida, the window companies are telling us that it's uh, uh, anywhere between 12 and 18 months before they can come out to do any window replacements. 12 to 18 months to get windows in South Florida. That's nuts. That's never been the case. So that is another uh, thing that you got to think about, right? You rehab a house, you can't re- can't replace the windows. Well, that could be a serious problem, um, especially if you're like in the hurricane belt or you're in a weather belt where you got to have hurricane-proof windows if, to make code depending on how much renovation you do. And these are factors that if you're not paying attention could put you out of business in a hurry. Um, one that came up with me recently was uh, appliances. And I'll talk about that in a second, but one of the other things that's going on is there's a worldwide container shortage. Think about U-Haul trucks for a second. You know, U-Haul trucks from, let's say, Key West, everybody move, comes to Key West, but nobody ever leaves, right? So when they get a bunch of, you can rent a U-Haul from Key West for almost nothing. I mean, if you want to rent a one-way U-Haul to leave Key West and go to, I don't care where you go, LA, it's dirt cheap. Look it up on their website. But if you want to rent a U-Haul to go from anywhere in the country to Key West, it's going to be crazy expensive because U-Haul knows that they can't balance their capacity when they send one all the way down to Key West because very few people rent a U-Haul and go north. Everybody comes south. So what that means is we have too many U-Haul trailers in this, the lower keys, so they'll almost pay you to take them back out of here so they can rent them to people up north. That really applies to Florida in general. There's an imbalance of capacity. In Florida, you can rent a U-Haul leaving Florida for next to nothing. Look it up. Go on the website, look it up. Look it up. Chicago, rent a U-Haul price from Chicago to Tampa, and then do a separate one from Tampa to Chicago, and you'll see a significant price difference. And that's because they want the all the empty ones that people have moved to Florida have emptied out. They want those brought back to places where people will rent them again and drive them back to Florida. They got to keep that balance going. And that's a great example of what you're seeing across all markets, all inventory markets. Recently, we had an ammunition shortage for those of you that are sportsmen, your hunters, or maybe you're into firearms or your law enforcement or security. You couldn't get firearm ammunition anywhere. I mean, it was crazy. People were paying a couple hundred dollars for a box of 20 or 50 rounds. I'm never going to be that desperate for ammunition. I'll use a baseball bat if I'm if I need ammunition that bad before I'd go pay that kind of money. But folks do, they get panicked and they start panic buying and they start overbuying, which furthers the problem and makes things a hell of a lot worse. Well, we're seeing on, in addition to that guys, and here's another factor that's going to impact supply chain. And don't worry, 
I'm going to lay it out how this is going to affect you if it hasn't already. Pandemic labor shortage issues, right? Starting with raw materials. You know, if you if you're a guy that needs wants kitchen cabinets, well, kitchen cabinets start as a tree. And those trees are ground up into press board, and then the press board is manufactured and spit out and sold to the furniture manufacturer. And the furniture manufacturer manufactures the furniture and ships it to the store and the Home Depot or whatever. And then you go to Home Depot and buy the furniture, and then you got to get it home. And there's a lot of people involved in that transaction from the time it started as a tree until it wound up in the kitchen of the house you're trying to flip. Well, my point is when there's a shortage on these type of materials, which if there's not yet, they're very well maybe in the very near future, so you've got to be aware of that. Start planning that. If you're getting ready to close on a house where you're going to do a major renovation, I would get an idea of the availability of materials before you pull the trigger on that house. I don't care if it's a rental or a flip. Guys that are doing syndications, you're doing large apartment buildings, stuff like that, where you need a lot of materials. Maybe you're going to be doing stabilization. You're going to renovate, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 kitchens. Well, that means you need 100 countertops. You need... 100 appliances, you need or 100 stoves, 100 refrigerators. I'm here to tell you, those, those type of quantities are not available right now in the market in most cases. And if they are available, it's at a premium. So if you underwrote a deal and you said that you were going to spend, I don't know, $3,000 to renovate a kitchen, including appliances, well, if you underwrote that three to six months ago, I got news for you. That $3,000 bill is no longer a $3,000 bill. Here's why. The appliances can no longer be had for the price that you got six months ago. The labor to have the people come do the work, the guys that bid the job aren't probably going to accept that offer anymore that they made. They'll say, hey, the bid's expired. You waited too long, whatever they come up with. And if they do show up, they're probably not going to be happy with the fact that they're making less money when they know they can get more money elsewhere, which could lead to quality control issues. And this is stuff we got to start being cognizant of, guys, and putting some stopgap measures in place to make sure that we don't get caught short, that we don't get caught with our pants down. Because especially if you're dealing with other folks' money, these are valid things to consider. Okay. When I'm looking at assets down here in Key West in the Florida Keys and we're looking at doing renovations, one of the things I'm doing is I'm taking weighing heavily how much rehab we have to do. We're not looking to get into projects that need major, major renovation because of the lack of availability of materials. I can't get enough lumber to build a whole house. I'm competing with all the the house builders all throughout Florida. And the lumber mills haven't been haven't been manufacturing and everybody's out of everything. I got a buddy that's got a, a big commercial fishing boat and uh he goes out he has a lobster boat and guess what? It's lobster season. And dude can't put his boat out because he can't find parts for the Detroit diesel engine that he's got in his boat. He can't get parts at all. And it's kind of mind blowing, right? It's that I can't believe that there'd be not enough parts for a, a Marine Detroit diesel engine because it's a very popular engine. Um, half the tractor trailers in the world, maybe not half, but maybe a, a good percentage of the tractor trailers in the world in the country have Detroit diesel engines. And a lot of the parts transfer over, right? But you can't get parts just like that dude. That is the YouTuber can't get parts for his motorhome, So he has to literally go buy a replacement vehicle to get to go what he's doing to do what he's doing. Now I'm not saying all this to freak you out, to send you into a panic. Again, as I said, I don't want you to go out or expect you to go out and buy hundred thousand pounds of toilet paper or anything like that. But you do need to look at take an assessment of the things that you're looking at that are that you're using on a regular basis, the items you're consuming as part of your business, and start thinking about maybe you should start 
stockpiling a little bit of parts and whatnot. Here's a good example. I own an apartment building. That apartment building's got a bunch of the same washers and dryers. My appliance guy's over there right now doing a repair, and it happens to be the little switch. You know, when you close the lid, it, it, it starts, and when you raise the lid, it stops, that safety switch. Well, I've replaced a couple of those already on different apartments at that place. So I know, and all those appliances are the same, I know that uh, I replace those every so often, those parts. They, for whatever reason, they don't last as long as I'd like them to. So that's probably something that's almost a maintenance item for me. It's getting to that point. Well, my appliance guy's saying, uh, you know, availability for these is tight, real tight. So I said, hey, would it make sense for me to buy a couple more and store these in the maintenance room? So if I have another failure, I'm not screwed for parts. And he said, you know, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to order when he makes the parts order for the one that he's replacing now. He's doing a temporary fix until the part comes in. But I told him instead of buying one part, buy a couple of them, like a couple, two, three, something like that. And we'll keep them in the maintenance room. We've got a storage shed, a building out back there. And I'm going to store those parts there because if I have a failure again, which is highly likely, um, because that part has a habit of failing every couple of years, I can't afford to have a unit down without a washer and dryer. It's a problem. I mean, I can afford it, but I don't want it. Here's why. These, this particular building happens to be short-term rentals. Short-term rental clients choose me, and I've learned this from talking to my people, talking to the people around our place. One of the reasons they love us is that we have inside laundry. They love the fact that we have inside laundry. And a lot of the short-term rental units in our area do not have inside laundry, which means that I get more money for my units, a lot more money for my units, strictly because I have inside laundry. And if I can't provide that anymore, well, guess what that means? That means I'm going to take a, a skinning as far as my profit margins, and that's not cool. Also, my cleaning staff does laundry on site. It's the way I choose to run the business. While they're there cleaning the unit, they throw the sheets and pillowcases and, and all that good stuff in the comforters and towels into the washing machine. They bleach it all. They clean it all nice, nice while they're cleaning the rest of the apartment. And then they fold it, they dry it and fold it and do all that. And they do that right on site. So the stuff never have to, has to leave. For me, it's a system that works. It's more efficient. I think it saves me money. I don't have to pay for a linen service. I just get it knocked out, right? So for me, I'm going to stash a couple extra of these parts. And I asked him, I was like, there's other things like belts or whatever you think I need. Order me a couple. And when you come back to finish the repair on this thing, then let's just throw those things in the in the uh, storage room so we have them. And then next time something goes wrong, I don't have to wait anymore. I can just have it fixed. And frankly, that's not a bad plan overall, guys. If you got stuff, because one thing I thought about was maybe I need to buy an extra machine and just have it sitting there. I don't know. If, I think that's probably a little over the top. But I want to make sure that I don't have interruptions in my business, right? Uh, the I use August locks, electronic locks, and sometimes they act up. So I've ordered an extra couple sets just to have them on hand. And I've been doing that for years before we even had supply chain issues like we do now. Uh, because when I need to fix a lock, it means somebody getting in or not getting in the apartment. So I can't wait. I don't have the luxury of waiting for Amazon to show up. I need my people, my boots on the ground people to go change out that lock as it happens live, right? So I inventory some spare parts for those locks for that very purpose. And it's come in handy. Keypads, turning button thingies, extra batteries, all that good stuff, striker plates and whatnot. We keep that stuff in stock um, because we found that it allows us to operate a hell of a lot more efficiency. Efficiently, I should say, our clients 
our guests are much happier because they don't have any downtime. Imagine having a short-term rental that you pay for a couple hundred dollars a night and you can't get into it. <laughs> that doesn't help your feedback rating. So we've overcome that by stocking some of this common use stuff. So you guys are rehabbing properties, you got rental properties, start thinking about the stuff that you tend to buy more than once per year. Um, if you're buying things often, maybe like for me, we use a lot of toilet paper at our short-term rentals because we supply the toilet paper to the people. So I keep usually a couple cases on hand as a reserve. And actually it worked out well when COVID first broke out, everybody was having a panic attack about toilet paper and I already had a couple cases. So I was in good shape. So guys, my plan here of this episode is to just give you a heads up of things to come. You're going to start to see some stuff, big supply chain, big, big supply chain issues coming around the corner. It's not avoidable. There's nothing we can do about it. You don't have to panic about it, but just take a th- uh, inventory of what you're doing, what you're spending money on as far as materials. It might make sense for you to start having a little bit of extra stuff. If you're getting ready to do a flip, maybe you grab a set of kitchen cabinets or maybe you get some, start getting some lumber and you store it in a garage or something or in a storage room. Well, I know a lot of rehabbers that do a lot of quantity. They do that anyway. If they get a good price, the price of lumber goes down. They'll go buy a whole bunch of plywood, whatnot. They'll keep it in their their storage facilities until the next job comes up so they can reuse the materials over there. All kinds of ways you could be smart about this guys. Just don't get caught short uh, with what's definitely going to happen. It's inevitable. There's no way around it where when you have a pandemic and you shut down an entire planet, literally with the pandemic, you can expect like stuff like this to happen. That doesn't even get into all the issues with COVID and all the other lockdowns and the politics and all the garbage guys. Just go out there and and be practical and make sure that you take steps to protect yourself, to keep yourself focused on success, making sure you can provide value to the marketplace, doing everything you can to make it through this. Guys, we're going to get through all this stuff. It's not the end of the world. Our country's been through a hell of a lot worse. You may not believe that, but I'm here to tell you we have. Get out there, make some cash flow happen. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.